Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Welcome along to Robins on the Wire with myself, Michelle Owen, and Gregor McGregor, who is down Ashton Gate, having just finished the Bristol City presser ahead of the match this weekend. But we need to start by looking back on what's been, let's be honest, a bit of a rubbish 10 days or so for Bristol City, rounded off by that defeat to Huddersfield on Tuesday night. But Gregor, should we start with Saturday then and the defeat against West Brom? Looked like there was just a complete golfing class, didn't it, between the two teams? It did, and yes, there was a bit of a golfing class. I actually thought Bristol City started the game fairly well. For the first 10 or 15 minutes, they were certainly in the match. And basically, it was one of those games where it was sort of end-to-end to begin with. And I always thought that whoever got the first goal would have a big say in the final outcome. Mm. And of course... West Brom grabbed that and yeah I mean from there on in really it was one way traffic and basically the baggies didn't relent and I think it's really that suffocating midfield I thought Jake Livermore was absolutely outstanding for the baggies he finished the game having made the most tackles and I think the most interceptions as well and he basically stopped so many Bristol City counter attacks that Source just getting a foot in here and there he was magnificent and also Sawyers in midfield as well I think the two of them are a real class act and a big reason why West Brom are at the top of the championship but then also um, the other guy alongside them I cannot cannot really pronounce his name properly do, do you know the guy I mean Krovanovic is that how you say it the, um, I, I, I know exactly who you mean but I haven't said his name for such a long time I can't remember how to say it <laughs> I have to say by the way we had um, Bianca down at um, yeah. Ashton Gate this weekend so uh, filling you? in for yourself Michelle but hopefully I hope you missed much me longer. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah maybe you're timing your run uh, like a my first, hill this is it <laughs> right my, into the box my first came back is the 17th of March uh, Tuesday the 17th so that's well, that's my first Bristol City one and my first soccer Saturdays just before that so uh, yeah maybe I'm timing it for a great run in for the playoffs that's yes, what I'm doing exactly. hopefully, hopefully <laughs> they'll be winning again by then so well this is it though yeah. isn't it I mean look maybe we expected that defeat against West Brom because you know the top two them and Leeds very very good sides albeit Bristol City looked right for the first sort of opening period 20 minutes or so but then like you said they got the first goal they pushed on but to go to Huddersfield on Tuesday night many people would have expected Bristol City to come away with something from that especially given their home form has been pretty good this season you know superior sorry their away form has been pretty good this this season and to, to go there and really not even turn in a performance it was really poor wasn't it I watched it on the red button Gregor and oh, it's just so frustrating isn't it it looked like the midfield really looked a bit like strangers to me what I mean you were there on the ground freezing what did you make of it 
Yeah, it, it was dire, and I suppose we, we need to make the distinction, first of all, between yeah, West Brom and Huddersfield, very different ends of the table. Yeah. And, and certainly, just rounding off the West Brom one, there's, there were so many individual errors from players. There's three. Was there very, three individual errors? Yeah, very, very similar to the, the, the game over the Hawthorns, yeah, for the goals. And obviously, I mean, the, I thought... Daniel Bentley had to do better with the second goal where, where he just pushes it out but directly to Al Robson Carnage to, to just slot in although it, it did look like it might be close to offside that but but um, I haven't seen enough angles of it to, to have a definitive view on that um, and then yeah obviously Ashley will a weak back header that allows Hal Robson Carnu to, to score. And I have to say for Robson Carnu, he hasn't got a very good goal scoring record. And we were laughing about that about this because the way he took that third goal at Ashton Gate was just unbelievable. He just smashed it straight past Bentley. And it's one of the it was such a confident. I was just saying he looked confident, didn't he, for someone that doesn't score he, that many goals. I do wonder with Hal Robson Carnu if there was a, a bit of a thing going on with Ashley Williams in terms of them both being Wales internationals yeah. and having a sort of a running battle on the pitch almost. Maybe there was a few words said on the pitch or anything because it seemed to be that those two were, were clashing and, it, and Williams was picking up a lot of the time. Uh, but Robson Carnu just seemed so up to the game and I actually thought he was outstanding as, as well, as well as Livermore and um, the, the fellow midfielders as well. And yeah, of course, Romain Sawyers was sent towards the end. I... I actually think if you watch that video back, yes, you can't raise your your hands to a throat of another player, mm. but but um, it, yeah, it was a soft red card, really. I mean, I, I wouldn't have given that if I was a referee. I would have only given do, do a you think card the, for that. One. Do you think the Bristol City bench helped with that one? And you know, when I say helped, you know, do you I, think they put the pressure yeah. on the referee? Yeah, I think they did, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Everybody does that. If you're not yeah. doing that, then you're one of the few. And everybody does that, and that's part of the game. So, yeah, Slavon Bilic made a bit of a point of it after the match, but he would have done it if it was the other way round, and they were doing it for other thousand. So, yeah, nothing there at all whatsoever and it, and it's a bit of a yeah it's a bit of a sideshow really to yeah. to yeah basically Bristol City not being very good, but yeah as you say is very different then to go to Huddersfield who before this match Huddersfield had the worst home record in the division and Bristol City were only beaten by West Brom for the away record the points, yeah. yeah the points collected so yes very very different you would go to Huddersfield expecting probably to play better well not just expect I mean I would expect three points from Huddersfield you know with all due respect to Huddersfield given what you just said, you'd expect Bristol City to go there and, and come away with three points. And it was the opportunity to bounce back after two games, which, you know, as an outsider, you might say, OK, you know, top of the league, perhaps to be expected. But to go to Huddersfield and lose, not just lose, but in the manner they lost, it was just really disappointing, wasn't it? And potentially, it could have been very damaging to their playoff hopes, as it was. They've been quite lucky with results around them but what went wrong on on tuesday evening pretty much everything really. <laughs> certainly in that first half i mean I, I tweeted at the break and it it got a lot of traction i think because it was it was correct but that is the worst 45 minutes i have seen on bristol city since i've been covering the club wow, really? and the, th the last three years so yeah they were that woeful and i mean west um, sorry huddersfield had 10 shots 
Bristol City got had just that one, and they had that one right at the very end. They hit the post. Yeah. Let fly, yeah, from 30 yards out. And if that had gone in, it would have been an absolute robbery. And, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you, you, you said it yourself. There was a lot of problems in, mid, in midfield. Nobody was picking up Emil Smith-Rowe. And Smith-Rowe, by the way, he was a player that Bristol City looked at in the past. Yeah. He was an Arsenal loanee. I know that they were interested in him. And he looked, he did look a very good act. But then he got so much time and space to run at the back four and to play people in and, and to turn. I really expected Tommy Rowe to play as almost a marker on him or to be detailed with picking him up. But that didn't happen at all. And I was massively surprised by that. Henriksen, he had a poor game in front of the defence. Uh, the back three, we went back to a, a back five, didn't we? And none of the three centre-backs looked um, very comfortable back there. They kept pumping the ball long, which didn't suit Bristol City at no. all. I mean, Family Fam Jeju had an absolutely shocking game uh, with the ball, apart from that he obviously yeah, nailed the consolation yeah. and he hit the post. But he only completed three passes cool. in the entire game in 90 minutes. Three passes from 12 attempted passes. So a 25, yeah, sorry, yeah, is that right? 25% pass completion rate, which is just dreadful. So in 90 minutes of football. I'm just pretty sure we could all make three passes. You just lay it straight off. You could play for Bristol City and make three passes. That's saying something. Um, Philippe Benkovic and Marcus Henriksen, since they've come into the team, Bristol City have lost four of the last five games. Now, you don't want to blame just two players. There's a lot more going on than just that. But, but what is going on at the moment? This is a question you've put to Dean Holden, isn't it? It is, yeah, and we're going to come on to this. Um, I, I wanted to ask the club specifically. Well, actually, I wanted to ask Lee Johnson after the game. I had it on my notepad to ask him, but we actually ran out of time because... Oh, actually, Gregor, actually, on that note, let's hear Lee Johnson speaking after the Huddersfield game. I, I don't want to leave this out. This is something that happened. You've put it on Twitter. Not, I wouldn't say it was a bizarre presser, but it was Lee Johnson. I don't even think he was being facetious. I just think he was at a loss. This is uh, what happened after the Huddersfield Town game when Gregor was with Lee Johnson in the presser. They know. They know. The players know, without doubt, that that wasn't anywhere near the standard. And um, We've set over the years. Um, very good training session yesterday. And uh, obviously as a collective, we haven't performed anywhere near good enough. Obviously the first half display um, was the bulk of it, do you know what I mean? And, and at least in the second half, we, we actually looked like we enjoyed football for a few spells and, and moved the ball a little bit. And I thought when Adam Nagy came on, he gave us a little bit of uh, injection of angle making more than anything. Um, but it's very difficult to take and, and it's, a, it's a bad feeling that's sat in my stomach at the moment um, because today was a day that we expected to perform a lot better than we did. See, that was a tactical problem in the first half, Lee, or was it more the players that... I, well, you tell me, what do you think? Well, in my analysis, I don't know, I think... They didn't seem to be able to get out of their half, could they? Would you agree with that? Why was that, do you reckon? I'm not I'm having a genuine conversation here because I agree with you, by the way. So we're starting off with a point where we're agreeing with each other. Look to, be, look to me to be too many long balls for a start. Um, not enough passing through midfield. Midfield didn't look like it existed to me today. I don't know yeah. if you agree with that. Um, yeah, I agree. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> 
Uh, you, you obviously made the changes at the break, so you obviously saw a lot that you didn't like and you changed the yeah. formation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Now, look, you could probably look at the first. It felt like 100 actions, right? Whether it was play a simple 10-yard ball or whether it was deliver a ball into the front man or slide a ball down the side, it was under hit. It was topped in terms of like we weren't getting under the ball. It, we, we were static and um, looked immobile. We were a very, very strong side physically today we had out and yet we didn't win um, any duels. So we, and when we did, we then gave the ball directly away. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I feel, I feel like upset tonight, as upset as I've been actually in, uh, with, with watching one of my teams with players that I've signed and um, performing a way like that. I'm not discrediting Huddersfield because I thought Huddersfield um, were bright. And you know what I mean? They looked like they actually buzzed off of playing football tonight. And um, yeah, uh, I suppose what we've got to think about now is, is how you go from that level of performance in the first half to what happened um, to go and get a result against Millwall in some shape or form, do you know what I mean? To give you a platform. Um, I feel a bit sorry for Naki because Naki's come in into a promotion chasing side and um, he's had a few chances but bless him he's probably looking around going well what's going on here um, and we've got to find a way we've got to find a way and uh, like I say the, the work that we do is very very good work and we prepare them extremely well for these football matches and, and today for whatever reason in the first half um, say I'm left with this feeling in my stomach I'm glad we remembered to pop that in Gregor because that was uh, difficult for you to uh, analyse the game on the spot there but I suppose you, you do do it you write it down you put your thoughts on paper and Lee Johnson agreed with you and what did you make of him reacting like that just before we move on to Dean Holden oh well a couple of things firstly I was semi-prepared because when Bristol City played Charlton Athletic on Boxing Day, Lee mm. Bowyer did exactly the same thing and he turned the press conference around and he asked one of the reporters for their views and he got them to analyse uh, one of the young players who'd made, who'd made um, an impact in that game. I think it was Doherty who'd scored actually against Bristol City that day. And so, yeah, it was kind of kind of at the back of my mind that at some point um, Lee Johnson might do that. And then secondly... I mean, yeah, no problems at all uh, from my point of view, no complaints. Because I, I think the way it came over, he, he did it in a friendly manner. Yeah, he wasn't being, he was, no, he wasn't being facetious. He wasn't being, you know, uh, standoffish about it, was he? Yeah, yeah, and he wasn't being um, deliberately sort of obtrusive about it. He wasn't, yeah, making a point or anything. And it, it came over to me as a genuine conversation. And maybe he was genuinely interested to get other, other views. And he did give his views in the end as well. I mean, that's the other thing because people really want to know his views not, yeah. not the reporter's views so yeah I, I didn't have a problem with it and, and I thought it was all good natured so so yeah fair, fair play to him there and yeah he, he obviously explained that a lot went wrong it was unacceptable what happened especially in the first half there and there are several reasons for that in, in terms of um, the players sort of freezing on the night and I just 
just going back to your original question, really, I just wonder if the new guys coming in, whether it's a little bit too much too soon, because mm. they have been thrown in a lot, especially Henriksen, he's played every game. And let's not forget that both him and Benkovic played very little football, first-team football, and certainly not at championship level, before they joined in January. Mm. I think it was only five international games for Henriksen. Uh, remember, he was frozen out at Hull. He wasn't even playing under-23s matches. Benkovic, meanwhile, he did play under-23s games, um, but he's only had a couple of games in the leasing.com trophy competition uh, and, and the FA Cup game in January. So neither of them have been involved a lot for their clubs. And to then come in and, and basically be thrust straight into the, the cauldron of, of championship intensity is a tough ask. And yeah. basically, I don't think they could do that on when it came to it on Tuesday night. OK, there was a tweet put out this week that claimed that Lee Johnson had a bust-up with some players after the Huddersfield Town game and that his job is under pressure. You tweeted it and said you don't believe there's any truth in this, um, I'm not actually familiar with the person who made who made the tweet. I've not come across him before, but he says he's a journalist. Um, tell me more about the person that made the tweet, and tell me more as to why you think there's no truth in it. Yeah, there's yeah, there's a bit more on this because I've been doing a bit of digging, and basically, yeah, there's there's nothing in that as to what we know and our understanding what what about the guy who made the tweet yeah that could possibly be a fake account and it's not somebody that we know either but it but it's important to address it because it was picked up by a lot of the big uh, bristol city fan accounts so it basically got some traction with the fan base so i do want to address those rumors and as i say there's nothing in that from what we know and we've done some digging and i i could add actually got a story that's going up today and um, that I want to mention now, and that kind of ties into it, and that we have learned that actually um, Lee Johnson did meet with Steve Lansdowne yesterday on Wednesday for talks about Bristol City. However, our understanding is that actually it it's been classed as just a catch-up yeah. and that there is nothing to do with job security in that and it is more of a courtesy call and it's because Steve Lansdowne actually stayed over after the Huddersfield Town game he came down to the Bristol area he actually went to um, it was because of his wife's mother mother's birthday so he was around the area he went to the Bristol Bears new tr- ground but he also met up with Lee Johnson um, as we know and there was some talks about how Lee's getting on and the club of course as you would expect but there's nothing untoward there and something, certainly nothing as regards Lee Johnson's future or anything or the bad run of form but it, it is just it comes about in terms of um, well, it's just curious in, ti- in terms of the timing of it, because uh, Steve Lansdowne was also up at Huddersfield, and they would have had their usual post-match debrief when Lee Johnson speaks to both Mark Ashton oh, yeah. and Steve Lansdowne. He does that a lot, though. Every game. Yeah, he, he, they do that after every game. And in fact, Steve has been at every game recently, apart from, as far as I'm aware, the Birmingham loss at Ashton Gate recently. So for them to then have that debrief after the game on Tuesday, but then for Lee to speak with Steve Lansdowne on Wednesday, Wednesday is a little bit out of um, uh, is a little bit odd timing, but there's nothing beyond that, um, according to our sources, and nothing yeah to be to be taken from it, except that the club are just 
absolutely resolute in that, that they believe they can finish in the top six. Lee Johnson has, is doing a good job and he is the man to take them there. And uh, as you say, with the results going the way they are, I still think they do have a good chance. Mm, OK, let's hear from Dean Holden then, as promised, on what he makes of how the new signings are fitting in at Ashton Gate. Is there a problem with squad cohesion in terms of the three new guys arriving in January? Have they adapted yet to maybe what you guys are asking from them? Yeah, I, th- I think from pre-season, we've, we've, there's been a lot of new players that have come in, into the club. It's, it's a daily um, challenge, I would say, you know, for, the, for them players to, to adapt on and off the pitch. Um, and of course, as a coaching staff and a, and a group of players that are already at the club, it's up to us to, you know, to, to make that transition as smoothly as possible. Um, I think at the moment, we've got a group of players who are all vying to getting that starting eleven. Um, and for us, it's about picking a team, as I say, that can go to Millwall and get, and get the three points. Lee Johnson said after the game the other day that Bristol City hasn't shown the identity that he wanted them to show. What is the identity on the pitch? Well, the gaffer uses the term uh, busy bees, uh, hustling the opposition, uh, energetic, uh, showing, as I say, that passion on, on the pitch, you know, getting the ball and playing, playing in good areas of the pitch and, and getting the crowd out of the seat and, and making things happen. And ultimately, that's what we're about and that's what we're going to get back to. OK, Gregor, um, that was Dean Holden speaking at the presser on Thursday afternoon. Uh, you've been down Ashton Gate and it, it's very normal for, as we know, the coaching staff to be rotated around the pressers. They all take it in turns, so mustn't read anything into that. But this weekend against Millwall, you know, what do you expect to see? Will Corey Smith be back? Because his absence was massively felt, wasn't it? It was, and yeah, it was actually remarked on by Lee Johnson after the game as that Smith could have a big impact this season still and he's, he's an important player and yeah he is it's vital to get him back on the pitch because he's one of the few that gives them real leadership at the moment and this is something I've been writing about yesterday after the match that on Tuesday night there was a real lack of leaders on the pitch yeah. I know that's a bit of a cliche no no it's, 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 it's obvious because Ashley yeah. Williams was dropped wasn't he yes absolutely and but he hasn't been leading he's been making mistakes this is true and and then also if you think about it they lost three leaders or three guys who were captain the side in January didn't they they lost yeah, Josh, Brown. Taylor, yeah. Josh Brownhill Taylor Moore and Bailey Wright who was the club captain all three of those guys went out and then obviously as you say Corey Smith was missing so that's five cap- captains from this season I think I've got a feeling Thomas Callas has also captain the signs um, so yeah they, they basically were, were naturally missing had a, a void of leadership and so they really need to get Smith back out there as to whether he'll make it not too sure it sounds like it's going to be touch and go I did ask Lee Johnson on timings on that and he said that they're going to try and push him they're going to probably have to inject him it sounds like with a um, pain uh, relief mm. um, for him to play this weekend but they really do need him and I get the impression that as I say they're going to really try and get him out there on the pitch well that says it all though doesn't it how much they need Corey Smith they've got a wealth of midfielder mid- midfielders at their disposal but they still yeah. need Corey Smith so much so well, what what is it about the other midfielders that aren't quite gelling at the moment? Yeah I, I think that's, that's a great question because it ties into what happened on Tuesday night because basically they and, and also on Saturday Adam Nagy Nadge came in for a lot of criticism at the weekend because he had a bit of a sloppy game in the middle there wasting a few passes and it was just the timing of those passes because occasionally 
Bristol City had a good chance to break, but then it was killed by by a really sloppy pass. Yeah. Uh, and then on yeah Tuesday night, the midfield was non-existent. Just Tommy Rowe came in, and you probably expect a bit more from him because he is an experienced player and he has had a good season. As I say, Henriksen, he hasn't played a lot of football. I just wonder if he had the fitness fitness and match sharpness for this game. Um, but I do have to say, Naj came off the, the bench in the second half, and I thought he was very, very good, actually. Uh, Jamie Patterson, um, again, he's another one. He hasn't played week in, week out. And when you play matches in quick succession, I wonder if that sometimes has a little effect. He was uh, in poor form on Tuesday night as well. And yeah, you're right. The, the, with Naj and, and to a, a lesser extent, Hanno and Masengo, these guys probably haven't been quite as consistent as we would have hoped for this season uh, and they are guys who needed a little bit of extra time maybe to, to get used to the physicality of this league um, and they're not quite there at the moment so that is a bit of a problem mm. uh, but, but hopefully by the end of the year they will be but just just one thing for you Michelle mm. I wanted to mention did you see there was a brilliant little interview at the weekend with Hanno and Masengo's dad was, that, was he outside Ashton Gate? yes this is brilliant so who was it that, that got that interview? That was with um, the Bristol TV live reporter Seb Whitehouse. Fantastic. Who is, um, he sometimes comes down to the press conferences. He's a good good guy, and yeah, it's a great little interview. He well, didn't yeah. realise he didn't realise who it was. As you say, and but his dad is is very complimentary of Bristol City and thinks it's the right place for Hanno Masengo to be, doesn't he? It does, and that's yeah, that's welcome news for Bristol City fans because it sounds like he's going to be staying for the near future and and developing further. Because there are big clubs watching him. He's he's one of uh, he's, he's one of the most used teenagers in in Europe um, as regards second tier football. He's he's had a lot of minutes this season, so and certainly a lot more than the season before when he was at Monaco. So he, he's got a bright future, and thankfully it's going to be at Ashton Gate for the time being. Okay, Millwall this weekend, who are really inconsistent themselves, but Gary Rowett has done a good job there. But, you know, they're up and down. This surely is a chance to get back on track, isn't it? It is. I kind of look at it the other way. I'm worried about this fixture because the last thing you want to do is have a trip to the den. Although I know, I suppose that, that, that that's a bit of a cliche in itself. And, and really, would you rather go to West Brom or yes. the den? You'd yeah. probably rather go to the den. But still, it's going to be very tough. I think they drew last night, nil nil against whoever it was. So maybe that's a good sign because they're not winning every game at the moment they're all um, they're up and down aren't they if you look at their results I mean I do think Gary Rowett has done a really good job there but they drew with Birmingham last night and then before that they lost to Wigan but then they beat Preston before that so, exactly, uh, exactly. It's, yeah. uh, it's, they are sort of all over the place, a bit like Bristol City. <laughs> yeah, a, a couple, of, couple of points on them. I, I think I saw last night that they have scored the fewest goals from open play in the Championship. So set pieces are going to be so key. Um, Bristol City have been generally okay on that. A few little uh, mistakes here and there, but generally have been fine. So that's going to be key. And another game 
like this where I think I actually think sometimes it's easier being the away side in games because you can sit back in a, in a low block um, sometimes there isn't the quality in the championship to open up sides and that's a little bit how it panned out at Millwall who were very very good when they came to Ashton Gate by the way actually like earlier in the season mm. under Gary Rowe Jed Wallace was superb that game um, scored a good goal and, and they really took the game to the Robins and, and it wasn't a case um, of them sitting back and just defending they, they had chance after chance actually I have to say and really outplayed Bristol City for periods and, and I know Gary Rowett was really really um, delighted with the display of his team as you would be uh, and that's obviously going to be something that Bristol City have got to find a way around when they go to London this weekend and yeah I, I, I think they can do it though they obviously got a good win there at the end of last season almost Swore off Neil Harris's reign there because um, I think he, he left the club not so long after that, and and yeah, they, they've got to do similar. Um, from Arashiju and Naki Wells up front again. Yes, although I mean Naki Wells, he's had a couple of little chances recently. He had a good one against uh, Leeds away. And I, I kind of thought he might take that, and it was the only good game, only good chance of the game for Bristol City. And he's had another just sniff of goal against Huddersfield on Tuesday night, where he, he went down, he went down the right channel. He was released by Nicholas Eliasson, and again, I thought he might tuck that one away by by his standards. He maybe w- would be due to take some of these chances. So yeah, I think he is getting the chances, and we probably will see him take one eventually. So I would stick with him, Jeju. He's going to be so key on set pieces um, for his defensive work. So, yes, I expect him to play despite him, as I say, only making three passes mm. um, up at the John Smith Stadium. There is pressure on the strikers, though, because Bristol City are not creating many chances. And when there is a chance, then there's the pressure to be clinical, isn't there? But then should the best strikers thrive off that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, good point. Um, Andy Vyman... <laughs> He's a Lee Johnson favourite. I do feel a little bit sorry for him and the likes of Nathan Baker because these are the guys who've basically been sacrificed <laughs> with with the new guys coming mm. into the team. And they were guys who were playing well. So, yeah, can you make a case for bringing in Feynman? You definitely can. And it might, it might be that with these games in close succession that he comes in just to add a bit of energy. But if he does, I would suggest it will be at the expense of Wells because, as I say, Deju is just so, so important on um, on set pieces. And the advantage of bringing in Andy Weiman is that you can go back to that 4-1-4-1 formation that was really doing the business for them when they got the um, successive wins against uh, Reading and QPR recently. They then signed uh, Narky Wells and the other two guys and they've moved away from that. So I could see Vyman coming in and, and, and playing that role he did when he, he went out wide and they just had Deju up top. So they, they might do that for some added extra energy in the side. On the other hand, I think they might stick with Wells and Deju for this one. All right, we shall see then what happens on Saturday. It's a big game and Bristol City have been lucky in the fact that other results have favoured them, but we will see what happens after the weekend. Just one, sorry, Michelle, just one other point mm. on the strikers. Benny Kofobe, back at the training ground at the moment. Just want to uh, mention about possible timeline yes. in returning. I've asked Lee Johnson about this several times and he's consistently said that he'll only be back for the final few games of the season. So, not expecting him to be back imminently at all. 
maybe the end of March. I think that's a realistic time frame for him. OK, Fab, that would be a, a good uh, reacquisition for Bristol City to have Benekafobi back in the side. So Millwall this weekend, and then we'll be looking ahead to Fulham. Big game, the 125th anniversary next weekend, Gregor. Yes, and I certainly hope they can get some kind of result against Millwall because the last thing you want is to be approaching that birthday game uh, with a lot of pressure on to get a result and sort of five losses in the last six games behind you. So hopefully they can get something this weekend and then, yeah, then we can just all enjoy the, the Fulham game and the 125-year anniversary. Absolutely, fingers crossed. Thank you, Gregor, and we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Robins on the Wire.